Don't you love a clean slate? I do. I love a new year. In fact, this is one of my favorite Sundays to preach the whole year. Let me explain why. There's a half of a millisecond as we come into a new year, and especially in a year when the first Sunday comes so quickly. I mean, none of us are too far behind on our read through the Bible trek this year. You know, it's only January 2nd, you know. All of our resolutions for this year, we're, we've done it. You know, we're one day into the year. Uh, the first Sunday of the year is wonderful. Unless, of course, your college football team went, got hammered in the bowl game, you know. But here we are, a clean slate, a new year. Hope springs up again. And maybe your last year was tough. Wasn't that easy. Uh, maybe you were just breathed a sigh of relief as you come into this new year, just putting that old year to bed. I read a tweet this last week, and I loved it. It was my favorite tweet of the week. The tweet said, my goal for 2021 has been to lose 15 pounds. They published this tweet on December the 29th. My goal for 2021 has been to lose 15 pounds. And my goal is now within reach. If I lose 23 pounds in the next two days, I'm going to make it. Maybe that's how you feel about last year. Oh, it's going to be a great year for Calvary Baptist Church 2022. The Lord tarries his coming. Why, we shall finish the Student Activity Center. And as we do and through the year, and by the way, more in next week's message, we'll be thinking about how the desire to step into the opportunity of that building and to exploit it with activities that reach for others, that desire and that exploitation will prod us to think, well, how comes we had to wait till we started the building? What about the rest of our lives and every other facet of where we live and where our kids go to school and where we work and where we exercise and the places we go to that we enjoy? How can we step into them for Christ's sake and make Christ known in this coming year. We'll be thinking about that again more next week, but I not only want this to be a great year for our church, I want it to be a great year for you as an individual. I want it to be a great year for your family. I want God to use our efforts together to glorify him as individuals, as families, as a church family. Will we buy up the opportunities that God presents as individuals that are before us in this good year, 2022? Will we end the year smiling at the fulfillment of the purpose of God for us? I love what is said of David. I find it challenging. Don't you with me want to live so you could approximate what David describes when he said, when it is said of David that he fulfilled the purpose of God in his own generation and then he fell asleep. I with you want to fulfill the purpose of God in this year. So to that end, we'll be looking at three verses of scripture from the book of Ephesians, a letter written in the first century by a follower of Jesus 
the Apostle Paul. Come there with me, please. It's Ephesians chapter 5. Will we end the year smiling at the fulfillment of all of God's purposes for us in 2022? Let's do it together. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. I'm reading to you this morning from the English Standard Version. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, I want to address the question, how ought followers of Jesus think about 2022? And I would like to go three different directions to answer that question. First, I want to talk about what's before us in 2022. Secondly, I want to frame from the text how the wise approach the opportunities of a new year and what it presents. And finally, I want to identify two factors that if you're not motivated by the time we get to point three, will motivate you, it'll light a fire under you to lay hold of this year that God has brought with all of our might for his glory. How ought followers of Jesus Think about 2022. First, 2022 will present us with a range of opportunities. The providence of God, his governance over all of life, will unfold one minute at a time each moment of this year. For our good and his glory, he will take us through the experiences of 2022. One thing we can count on, and we'll allude to Psalm 23 twice. We need to fold it and put it in our hearts, of course. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He'll be at work in our lives. Eric, what will he be doing? He'll be leading us. Oh, that's great. Where will he be leading us? He'll be leading us in paths of righteousness. What will he be drawing attention to while he does that? His name's sake. The glory of who he is will be seen in the ways that he leads us in the paths of righteousness. What an adventure to live for Christ. That's before us in 2022. And yet, we know what James said about life. James 4.14, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. There's a lot we don't know about 2022. Isn't it everything? A range of opportunities lie before us. There will be forks in the road that we will have to negotiate. There will be victories. There will be defeats. There will be epic joys. There will be loss and grief, altogether wadded into the experience of life in a broken world in 2022. In 1950, and in a former generation, it was sung 
Iris Stanfield wrote an old gospel song called, I Know Who Holds Tomorrow. The second verse he wrote, I don't worry o'er the future, for I know what Jesus said. And today, I'll walk beside him, for he knows what lies ahead. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. Here's the line. It throbs in the chorus and is riveted to our memory. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Another glory from Psalm 23 that you and I can count on every day of this coming year. Psalm 23, 6, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Eric, I don't know what to expect in 2022. Here's what to expect. How about this? Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. I was in the Moscow subway with a missionary, and Moscow subway is just Stalin's palace. It's incredible. It's beautiful. It's glorious. But... Uh, the KGB are just following everybody all the time. And we were, we were, and I'm just, just like a country bumpkin. I, I don't know anything. This guy had spent so much time there. He was very situationally aware. And, you know, I'm walking around like Gomer Paul. Golly. And, and, he's, and finally, he grabs a hold of my arm and he said, Eric, we're being followed. And the next thing I knew, we were stepping into a subway as soon as the doors opened, and we were gone from that thing. He, he took off fast. He said, Eric, we're being followed. Well, when he said that and grabbed a hold of my arm, good night, fear shot up my spine. I didn't know whether I was going to be taken out right there in the Moscow subway, and Andy would ever know whatever happened to me. You know, what was going to take place? That was ominous. How about this? God grabs a hold of my arm. He says, hey, look. Goodness and mercy are following you all the days of your life. Oh, that's sweet. How are you looking at 2022? Say, Eric, well, how should I look at it? Like this. Goodness and mercy are following us around if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior. So what will happen this year? I'll tell you what will happen. 2022 will provide us with a range of opportunities. Well, secondly then, wise people, that's what Paul's discussing here. We'll go back to the text. Wise people step into the openings that God brings before them. Notice verses 15 and 16. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So the contrast is going to be how a person lives who is unwise with how a person lives who is wise. He's actually going to come back to this notion in verse 17, chiding us, therefore, do not be foolish. Don't live like a fool. Be wise. He said, well, what does a wise person do? Verse 16, here's the central thrust. Making the best use of time. Making the best use of time. It takes some care to pull off. Verse 15, Notice how he starts, look, here's our word, care. Look carefully then how you walk, how you live. It's a term which is describing the garden variety way we experience life. It's how we live. It's everyday routine kind of living. Paul said, be, be careful. Be careful. 
What kind of care are we to take? He tells us in the next verse, verse 16, making the best use of time. Look carefully then how you walk. Paul, how do we walk carefully? A careful liver makes the best use of her time, of his time. In 43 BC, Publius said, opportunity is seldom presented and easily lost. Coming out of the medieval times in French Europe, there was a French proverb that said, opportunity never knocks twice at any man's door. And so one thing that is characteristic of the wise, according to the Apostle Paul, is that the wise seize the opportunities as they come. Now, the Apostle Paul here uses the Jewish concept of wisdom, and I love it. It's focused on one of my favorite words in all the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew word for wisdom. You can hear somebody say, let's be wise. Yeah, let's be wise. Hey, tell me, what, what's that mean? What, what is wisdom? What, what's wisdom look like? Well, at the stem of the Hebrew word for wisdom is the notion of skill in living. I love it. By the way, the one thing we've lost in postmodern times is, here it is, skill in living. Uh, we've lost sight of reasonable boundaries. We've lost sight of responsible living. We've lost sight of living within our means. We've lost sight of the glory of cultivating faithfulness with dollar cost averaging fulfillment of the duties that are before. We've, lo we've lost skills in living. We're coming unraveled as a culture in light of it. And so here is Paul who's saying, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Live skillfully. What's that look like, Paul? Making the best use of the time. Seizing the opportunities as they come. Now what's true, and we need to think about this, is not all of us get the same opportunities. Remember, years ago the governor of the state of Texas got up at a political convention and identified George W. Bush as one born with a silver spoon in his mouth arguing that he had been given opportunities that nobody else had. Well, what's true is that opportunity does not come equitably to everyone. Not all of us have the same opportunities. But all of us have opportunity. And Paul's calling us to make the most of our opportunities. What are we doing with the opportunities that are before us. Eric, I don't have her opportunities. Eric, I don't have his opportunities. What are you doing with your opportunities for which you will give an account? I appreciated the spirit of Eric's prayer. Although, didn't you with me want to cry out for grace? You know, I, I love Augustine's prayer that would follow a prayer like Eric in worship earlier, which I appreciated. 
Augustine said, Lord, demand what you will, but provide what you demand. And uh, don't, isn't that what we all need, his grace to fulfill that? Well, <clears throat> we all don't get the same opportunities, but we all steward opportunities. So the question is, how are you stewarding the opportunities? Are we seizing the opportunities? God measures faithfulness to the opportunities that we do have. Not in terms of fame, who knows about the opportunities, renown or influence. It's just about how faithful are we to face the opportunities that he has given. 1 Corinthians 4.2, it's required of a steward that he be found faithful. It's about stewarding life and stewarding the opportunities of life. Back in a former generation in America, there was a lot more passenger rail travel than there is now. And I realize we have Amtrak now. Maybe some of you have gone on that. I apologize to you if you have, but... Uh, it's, 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 the schedule's tough. But anyway, um, there was a title given to the person who took care of everybody in the car. That person would be called a steward. And the steward's job was to face the opportunities of service to the patrons who were on that particular car for that particular stint. A steward. Well, you and I are, we're on the 20, 22 bus. And I know it just seems like 911 happened last Friday. That's 21 years ago. If the Lord tarries is coming, another 21 years will go just like that. But today we have the opportunity of this year. We're, we're on it. We're, we'll steward the opportunities that lie before us, what are we doing with those opportunities? Now, this is an important point. Wise people also make opportunities. Wise people also make opportunities. Ben Hogan, a professional golfer from a former generation, he had a funny quip. He said this, and it was about practicing golf on the range. He said, you know, it's interesting. The more time I spend practicing, the luckier I get when I go out and play in the matches. What he was doing was he was making the most of the opportunity he had by giving himself to it. And here you get into, Eric, is it passive or is it active? I'll tell you what, Eric, I believe in the sovereignty of God, by the way. I love the sovereignty of God. I find such solace and peace and rest in the sovereignty of God. But the sovereignty of God doesn't mean I sit on my derriere all year. By the way, you know, I've laid in bed at night, and I have, in my mind, led my whole neighborhood into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you what. Unless and until I get out of bed and begin to act, it's not going to take place. And so is it passive or active? Yes. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, semicolon. That sounds like it's all on us. 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What about the semicolon, the other half? For it is God who works in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. So we not only take the opportunities that are before us, we're also out there probing for opportunities that God may bring along. There's a sense in which when we seize the day and redeem the time and take advantage of the opportunities, what we're doing is we're turning our radar screen on and it's pinging all the time. It's like, God, I want my life to matter for Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, some of you live in Ohio. And actually, I, once one time I had a job with the Department of Transportation in Ohio for two summers, and I worked closely with the Ohio State Patrol, and it's actually a wonderful policing outfit. They do great work. I really appreciate the Corps, but they also have a very well-earned reputation. If you are on the interstates in Ohio, and there are a few linear miles of interstates in Ohio, and you like to speed, you may, may become up close and personal with the Ohio State Patrol because they turn their radar on. And that radar is a lot more sophisticated than, oh, I'll be okay as long as I don't see them. Before you see them, they know what you're doing. My sister rides with them as a, as a chaplain for the Corps. Uh, but they, they, what happens is they'll turn that on, and it just starts pinging. And then they'll stumble upon the opportunity to bless you by turning the lights on and pulling you over and coming to your window. And you know how the drill goes. That's something negative. What Paul is calling for here is turn on your radar, open your eyes, open your heart, see God as big as he is, and see what he's going to bring along. And we not only take advantage of the opportunities that are before us, we're also out there pinging. Maybe, maybe, they'll, maybe he'll break out in another area. Now, I, I'm not any good at fishing. I've never been, never really enjoyed it, probably because I, I never caught anything and got skunked out too many times early. It was just like, why do people fish? This is stupid, you know. But one day I was on vacation, ran into an old salty person who said, hey, you know, he had, the, had, the, had it going on in fishing. And he said, hey, there's a lot of catfish, a lot of catfish, a lot of catfish in this lake. And I said, really, is it on a lake in Kentucky? Actually, really, yeah, yeah there's catfish here. How do you catch them? Oh, I know the secret. I got the secret. So, well, how do you catch catfish? Oh, he said, go buy your loaf of bread. I thought, buy a loaf of bread? What in the world? I want to buy a loaf of bread for? That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. No, he said, take all the crust off and wad up each piece of bread and put it in your hand. Get it into a bowl. And then get you a big bowl of dough balls. And about two hours before you want to fish, walk off that dock down there and throw them all around. Then come back in two hours with some more bread and put that on a treble hook and get it weighty enough to go to the bottom and then throw it in there. You'll get it. You'll get it. This is what the author of the book of Ecclesiastes is going about. Make some opportunities. Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days. Now, by the way, that's not bread with the illustration. You know, here's how to cut. Oh, Mounts is telling us how to cut. Catch catfish out of Ecclesiastes 11. By the way, true to form in my fit, I, I tried it, did it that night, didn't catch anything at all, you know. Lost my bread on the treble hook, you know, kept pulling it in naked. You know, it's like, what is this? We not only steward the opportunities, 
but God uses us to make some opportunities. Wise people step into the openings that God brings before them. Followers of Jesus live with their eyes open and their radar on. My prayer for 2022 for you and for me and for our church is that we would open our eyes to see the opportunities that are before us. That's what he's talking about. Making the best use of the time. Redeeming the time. Buying up the opportunity. I have not seen on a shelf in retail an M95 mask since COVID started. You used to be able to get one if you had to go to some gnarly place in your attic and spread some insulation or something, you know. And you used to, you used to just buy them readily. They were just a little bit more expensive than the other. But what if you come into a store and you desired to have a few and suddenly you see a whole table out there of them? It's like, wow, this is my opportunity. I will take advantage of the opportunity by securing some of these because they are available. A minute at a time, opportunity will be available to you and available to me in this year. And what Paul is doing, sitting on our conscience, is he's saying, let's take advantage of the opportunities. Let's reclaim them. Now, you've heard the phrase with me, people walking away from a two-hour whatever, and you hear somebody saying, well... That wasn't the best use of my time. Or if it's a real smart aleck wag, you'll get, that's two hours of my life that I'll never get back. Let's not live 2022 like that. Let's make the most of the opportunities. Now, Eric, you know, come on. It's January 2nd. I was up late waiting for the ball to drop. A little tired this morning. I'm a little dull. Well, let me quicken you with the word of God this morning. Let me give you two factors that awaken us to own the stewardship of 2022. This is back to 1 Corinthians 4.2. It's required of a steward that he be found faithful. It's required of a steward that she be found faithful. I want us to steward this year well. Our oldest son is reading a book, and he's been talking to me about it, Extreme Ownership, How U.S. Navy Seals Lead and Win by Jocko Wilnick and Leif Babin. And he'd been talking to me about it, so I pinged back this week, and I said, Caleb, tell me, what's the thesis of the book? Here's the thesis. Extreme Ownership is the practice of owning everything in your world to an extreme degree. This is not owning as in possessing. It's owning as in stewarding. Well, it means you are responsible for not just those tasks which you directly control, but for all those that affect whether or not your mission is successful. The book has actually affected his look at the group that he supervises in wanting to own what goes on and be responsible for it and discharge it faithfully. I want you to own 2022. Eric, what does that mean? By faithfully 
stewarding the opportunities that are before you. Let's own life for Christ's sake and for God's glory every day of 2022. Well, Eric, why... Why should I do this? Notice what he says in verse 16. Making the best use of time. And there's two factors that we need to lay hold of. First, life is brief. Why should I own it? Well, because it doesn't last very long. We don't have too many years to own it. God's brought us into this year. We have this year. Life is brief. James 4.14. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Remember in the fall, in the spring, the condensation in the morning, a little condensating cloud will be out there. As soon as the sun comes up, boom, it's gone. Same way with us. All flesh. You, you heard the girls read well this morning the passage from Isaiah and Ecclesiastes. The Martin girls, all flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. You know what gives us a sense of urgency to own the moment? We don't have very many moments cumulatively in all of life. Life is very brief. I remember in 2013, as I was in the wrenching moment of my father's last hours, he was in a sleep of death. And it was right before he gave up his spirit. And as I was there, I, I started thinking about all the experiences we had. And I concluded that even in a lifetime, you don't have enough great experiences together. It's why this morning, I'm really happy Jay's gone. <laughs> say, boy, that, that's kind of something odd to say. <laughs> Jay left on Thursday with his oldest son, James. He drove to Oklahoma City and surprised his dad. I talked to Randy Faulkner, his father, who served here as pastor for 17 years. I talked to him Friday morning, and I said, I hope you guys have a great time today. He said, I was never so surprised as anything all my life. Jay walked in the house. And then Jay announced to him, you know, Dad, tomorrow you and James and I are going to Dallas and watch the Cincinnati-Alabama uh, football game. You know what? Uh, you say, Mouncer, you, you overcooked on football. I, I don't care if you go watch a Tiddlywinks tournament or, if, you know, if you go look at that silo and buy up Joanna Gaines' stuff out of the gift shop. I don't care where you go. The idea is that life doesn't last very long. It's so brief. Why don't we take opportunities to do our best to honor the Lord and honor each other and celebrate friendship and celebrate love, and lighten each other's burdens. The brevity of life gives us a sense of urgency. It quickens our step. And I want you and me to step into the opportunities of 2022. Now, the second thing is more ominous, but equally motivating, and that is 516. Therefore, Oh, uh, making the best use of the time. Okay, why? Because the days are evil. What did Paul say in Philippians 2, 15? Shining as light we are in the middle of a wicked and perverse generation. We stick out more. We are more distinct. 
Think of what John said about the world, 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's one of the more believable verses in the New Testament, is it not? Right now, the world is driven by evil. Our evil age heightens our sensitivity to steward what is before us. As a world progresses in evil, we move toward the consummation of all of history. One thing we will not have the opportunity to do in paradise when Jesus comes in his kingdom is to reach for folks who have not yet come to place their faith in Christ. C.T. Sud said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. The days to encourage each other will be over in this good way following Jesus on our way home. Time to pray for God's work and his will to be done will be finished. There's a finite number of days we have to invest in prayer in God's kingdom. The last offering will someday have been taken up. And there will be no further opportunity to be generous someday. There'll be no additional chance to give ourselves for the benefit of somebody else. No more opportunity to deny ourselves in service to someone else. Marriages are all finite Someday there'll be no more days to honor our spouse. None. So let's make it a great year. And take advantage of every opportunity to glorify this one who loved us and gave himself for us. These are our instructions as we step into this good year. And own it for the glory of Christ. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Father, I received recent word that the man who lived next to me in seminary is dead. He died in November. His days of serving you are over. He's gone on to be with you. Thank you for our hope. Lord, it moved me to consider the waning number of days that I have and that we have to live for you. But you've been so kind as to bring us into a new year. Here we are, 2022. Will you help us honor you as individuals? Father, will you pour out that Holy Spirit that we've been singing about earlier in our midst so that our church would be alive unto you and to righteousness and to service for you and engaging mission. Lord, help our church rise up and embrace the opportunities that 2022 will bring. And live with our eyes open to see that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we could ask or think.
Lord, we look forward to this year. We thank you for all that's ours in Christ. As Peter said, all that we need for life and godliness. So Lord, help us into this good year, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.